0: Can you hear me now? <laughs> I'll be that guy. Let me change commercials. Can you hear me now? Right, there you go. I want to thank the worship team for that last song. How great Thou art! Just a beautiful song. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we, you know, we sing all these new songs, which is fantastic. I mean, people are always writing songs, always coming up new ways to praise God. Uh, but that song, man, that really, it really takes me back. I love that that tune. How great Thou art! It's kind of like being up at. at uh, up, up at Graham, where I'm from, up in Cornfield County, America, up there. Um, when you have a really good thing. We have a wrestling program that that's really good. I think they just won their 18th straight state title. I mean, that's unheard of. But uh, they win so much and so often, everybody kind of takes it for granted. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. We got the, I mean, they're, they're calling the... Uh, Uh, The state tournament is now the Graham Invitational, with uh, you know a few other teams thrown in there to try it out. So, anyways, but they win so much. Sometimes people just sort of forget how difficult that is and how mind blowing it is. And I think the same thing sometimes about our worship team. We're so fortunate to have the worship team that we have, the musical talents, the skill, the sensitivity to you know, for the worship to be what it is. Um, if any of you have, obviously all of you have been to other churches and know that sometimes, you know, they're singing their hearts out to God too, and God loves their worship just as much as ours, but sometimes I think we're spoiled. We forget just how fortunate we are and just how, how wonderful it is. I mean, you can take two or three people, get a get a wooden box and a, a you know, couple guitars and, and just you know, play something like that is just amazing. So thank you Jen and Brian and all of you, Joey and Reese, Carla just wonderful stuff so, well if you're keeping up with the, uh, the NCAA tournament right now, you're probably like me your brackets are totally busted they're gone somebody asked me the other day, did you do your brackets? and I said, well yeah I, st- I, I had them written down but they're totally blown up. I mean, there have been some so many upsets and shocking uh, things that are going on. That, you know, people are like, I can't believe it. Uh, there was some school the other night, I didn't even, I'd never even heard of them before. The UMBC beat Virginia, which was like one of the best teams in the country. They, Virginia was supposed to win it all. That's the University of Maryland in Baltimore County, if you're Not sure who those guys were. Uh, And they showed up. They weren't all that impressed with Virginia. Blew them off the court. And there you go, your brackets, so they're out of the way. But it was interesting. I I got on Facebook and was looking at some of my friends and all the people who couldn't believe it. It's Like, I, I, I just can't believe it. I mean, a 16 seed knocked out a number one seed. What happened? I can't believe it. You know, being a football fan, it would be like if Cleveland started winning some games. you know, People would be like, I can't believe it. Oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that would be a bona fide miracle, I think. Uh, but uh, what I want to do today in our lead up to Easter is turn to John chapter 11 there's a, a beautiful story that i know you've all heard that is a miracle it's a, it's just a wonderful story of uh you've heard of lazarus um and uh, i want to talk about that because this is this happens in the weeks leading up to the passion week the, leading up to easter okay um jesus has been trying to get it in his disciples' minds that the time is now. I am going to be, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified, but I will be raised from the dead. And the disciples, they were still processing this. They were still trying to get it through their head. I mean, I think they had an idea of who this Messiah was supposed to be. No, Jesus, you're not going up to die. You're going up to Jerusalem to be a conquering king. We're going up there to get our freedom back. We're going to run the Romans out. We're going to, you know, the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus is trying to point out to them, no, no, that's not God's will. That this Easter message, this, this gospel, is, has eternal significance. Me going up there, taking over the Romans and running them out, that's a temporary thing. Sure, I mean, 50, 60 years, we got it good. Somebody else will come along and wipe you out and take it over again, and the cycle will repeat itself. I'm here for eternal reasons, things that can never be taken away, things that can never, ever change. John chapter 11 is the story, if we move on. We're going to be talking about a couple of interesting people. This is a family Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Now these are people who I think it's uh Jesus knows these people. Oftentimes in the text as we read through, it'll Jesus loves them. Not just I mean he loves everybody. You know, Jesus loves the little children. And he loves them. No this was a personal connection. Like you might love your cousin or your Brother-in-law or something—I don't know. You, you know, there was a connection here, and Jesus loved them. And unfortunately, as the story goes, Lazarus is going to to get sick. Now, this is not a stranger to Jesus. This is not like the child who he raised. Uh, this is not like um, many of the uh, people that he had uh, touched with miracles throughout his ministry. This is somebody who he knew, somebody who he loved. And Jesus knew this guy was sick. Let's uh, start here in uh, chapter 11. I'm going to kind of give you the who, what, when, where kind of deal here. But John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, excuse me, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. He's sick. Lazarus is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. In other words, Lazarus is sick. But he's not just sick for no random reason. I mean, we all get sick. This illness is for a specific reason. It's so that God may be glorified, so that the Son of God may be glorified through this. Let's go on. So we have our characters in place, and what's going to happen? You're going to see the resurrection of Lazarus. From the dead, this is just before the entry into Jerusalem. Within a week or two, they're going to be in Jerusalem. Passion week will begin, you know, Palm Sunday and all the events of Easter. Let's pick it back up at verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, wait a minute. You just found out your best friend's sick, and Jesus says, "Wow, he's sick. Let's stay here for a couple of days. Let's just sit, settle down, and we'll 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 get out there eventually." They're like, wait a minute, he he's sick. He's dying. Why don't you? Let's go. We got to hurry. <laughs> Jesus is like, no. Let's just. We're going to stay here a couple of days. You can imagine the frustration. The, the the consternation on the part of the disciples, especially of the people of, of this family. They're like, Jesus, can, you know, we've heard about you. We know what you can do. What, what are we waiting around for? <coughs> An interesting thing happens. Verse 7, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. That's where Jerusalem is. We're, we're going up there. That's where Lazarus is at. We're going to go to him now. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Basically what Jesus is saying here is, look, I'm going to be fine going up there. Yeah, they're out to get me. I know that. But God is watching over us. We're going to walk in the day. We're not going to stumble. God is looking out for us. Verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. So Jesus, as we look at this story, he allowed Lazarus to die. He let him die. That causes some... Questions, wait a minute, I thought Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved him. What, what a friend you are, gee whiz. With friends like that, you know, who needs enemies? But Jesus makes a point. This whole passage is about his love for his friends and the glory of God and, and how these things all work together. Um, but Jesus lets Lazarus die. He knew he was going to die. And it grieved him. It pains him to have to do this. Sure, he could have ran ahead, raised Lazarus, but there was a deeper, more eternal reason than for a temporary miracle. Yeah, I can run down there and heal Lazarus right now. But there's something more eternal at stake. There's a bigger purpose involved in the midst of this this tragedy. I don't expect you to understand it, but we're, we're going to wait, and then we're going to go up to, to Lazarus. Uh, let's pick it up, pick up the action here. Oh, yeah, uh, let's see. Verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. They thought he just was sleeping. Jesus is alluding to, no, he has fallen asleep in death. He's died. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus, Has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. I mean, Jesus is saying Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I didn't rush up there and heal him because there's a greater purpose at stake, there's a bigger picture here of events that are about to unfold that you're not even aware of. So as we move on, Jesus wants to prove that he is later he would call himself the resurrection and the life. I'm not just the the, the magic guy who runs around healing people. I'm not the guy who runs to to Lazarus and and heals him before he dies. Lazarus is going to have to die so that Jesus can prove a much greater point. I am the resurrection and the life. Not just the healer. Not just the doctor who runs around and lays hands on people and makes them better. No, my mission is much more eternal. It's not, not temporary. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days He's been dead a while. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So there's quite a crowd here. People have heard, Lazarus has died. Hey, go on, and Let's all go down there. We have to support Mary and Martha, just like you would do to a friend who's lost someone. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary, Mary remained seated in the house. Now, I don't know if Mary had a thing. She was ticked off at Jesus. No, he's coming now. But forget it. He should have came four days ago when we needed him. So she stays home. But Martha comes out. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have died. It seems kind of cruel that Jesus would wait this long and allow Lazarus to die. But as I mentioned, I think there's a greater purpose here. It's not just about healing people. Jesus wants to make a point. It's something he had been preaching to his disciples. Look, I'm going up to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me, but then I'll raise from the dead. The disciples weren't getting it. They hadn't figured it out. This is a dramatic illustration to prove, look, this is what it's about. So off we go to to see Lazarus. Lazarus has died. This dramatic example, it demonstrates what this means, resurrection and the life. Therefore, Lazarus would die so that Jesus would demonstrate God's power by resurrecting Lazarus. Now, Jesus had convinced the disciples that he had to go back to Judea. This is where the final act of his life would be played out. This is where he would fulfill God's divine act of judgment over sin and death. Jesus had to spell it out for him. Look, Lazarus is dead. I'm going to resurrect him. Maybe now you guys will get a clue, talking to the disciples. Maybe you'll understand who I really am. The real reason why I came is not to run around healing people. Verse 16. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas is reflecting a loyal devotion to what's going on with Jesus. I think of all the disciples, Thomas is starting to figure things out. No, I think he's serious, guys. I think we're going up to Jerusalem, and he's going to die. They're going to kill him. we got to get ready for this. So many of the other disciples were like, eh, I don't, we don't really know what what, what what does he really mean by this. He's always talking in stories, and we never get it right. I mean, obviously, it's not as plain as this. Thomas is... I don't know, guys. Let's go on up with him to Jerusalem and that we may die with him. Of course, Jesus goes up. He talks to Mary and Martha. He declares, I am the resurrection and the life. I love the exchange that Jesus and Martha had that I read to you there in verse 33, Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know, well, yeah, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That's similar, I mean, when I've had people, loved ones of mine who have passed away, I've had preachers tell me, we'll see him again. We'll see him again. Yeah, I, I believe that. But it's such a vague thing. Yeah, someday when the end of time and I, I can't really wrap my mind around all that, but Yes, we will be together again, but what does that really It's a very vague kind of thing. And Martha gives that vague belief in the resurrection. Yeah, he'll rise up again someday. And I think she comes around, and Jesus, the way that he answers her, he gives her a much more focused and personal realization that it is Jesus alone who can raise the dead. No resurrection or eternal life exists outside of the Son of God. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I'm telling it to you plain and simple. It's not a nebulous thing. Someday these things will happen. I'm telling you, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I will be crucified and I will rise again through the power of God. And I do this so that you might have resurrection and life. Jesus wants them to understand, yeah, we're going to live again in the kingdom of God, but this is why, and you need to know this. Nobody receives eternal life except through the Son of God. I believe Jesus was hoping that everyone present would finally understand the significance of his mission on earth. Not this earthly kingdom with triumph over the Romans that so many of his followers, I think, had pegged him to be. Oh, Jesus is here. He's going to lead us into Jerusalem. And we're going to wipe out the Romans. And you look ahead to Palm Sunday. He comes riding in. Everybody's yelling, Hosanna. You know, they're, just, they're loving it. They see him as this conquering king. Jesus has a totally different mission in mind. Not an earthly kingdom with triumph over the Romans. Jesus is not coming to conquer Romans. He's coming to conquer death itself. They're missing this. Jesus is about eternal purposes, not the temporary things. Like, oh, yeah, let's overthrow the Romans. And you guess what? In 100 years, somebody else has come wipe us out, and the cycle repeats itself. No, I'm not here to get rid of the Romans. I'm here to get rid of death itself. I am the resurrection and the life, and he does this at a public event. This is not Jesus healing Lazarus or raising him from the dead in quiet, you know, Shh, don't tell anybody that I do these things. Jesus often did miracles, and he would warn people, don't tell anybody about it. This was done in public, out in the open, where everybody could see. I want everybody to know, I am the resurrection and the life. You could probably hear somebody say, prove it. Okay, I will. So they go down to the tomb, verse 28. When he had said this, uh, Martha ran off and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here, he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went... To him, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but it was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise and quickly go, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You've done all these miracles. You couldn't even come. You love Lazarus. He's like your friend. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, I think. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I went back and looked at the the Greek word for that. Because I'd always wonder, you know, what does it mean Jesus wept? Was he just crying? Was he wailing and throwing a fit? Was he, you know, what are we talking about? The word, it's a Greek word. It's a very difficult word to pronounce. It's called edekresin. I can't pronounce it. Let's move ahead. I don't even know if I have, I forget if I even put a slide on it. Is that it? That's the end of the show? Wow. Okay, that's fine. Well, the the, the, the Greek word, edakrosin, it connotates the idea that Jesus silently burst into tears, not wailing and carrying on. Uh, I remember one time, uh, one of my, uh, Neil and I had just been married, and I'm, you know we're adults, and I had a dog. We had a dog that got run over by a car. And I remember I cried and cried and cried because that dog got run over by a car. Now, this isn't what we're talking about here with Jesus. Jesus is not carrying on, and not, not so much for Lazarus, because Jesus knew, well, I'm going to raise Lazarus here. But he weeps because I believe he's weeping for the screwed up, sin-filled world that is so wrapped up in sorrow and grief. I know some of you have lost loved ones recently. Jesus knows what it's like to, to suffer that kind of loss. He knows what it's like to, to grieve, to be frustrated in a world that doesn't make any sense. How can these things happen? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, calls Jesus a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Are you grieving today? Are you having... Spill it to Jesus. He knows. He's a man acquainted with grief. He didn't just weep for Lazarus. He was weeping for all of us. Verse 38, we get to the the moment. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, still weeping, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Move the stone away. Martha... The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. What are you doing? Moses, or Lazarus has suffered corruption. His body is decaying. Jesus said to her, did I, te- did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Okay, so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Dear God, that they might actually get it finally, of what I'm really here for. When he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen stripes, strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. What a powerful moment. Lazarus has raised from the dead. Jesus raises all of us to new life. Not just Lazarus. Like Lazarus we're all dead. We're all wrapped up in sin and sorrow, just as they wrapped Lazarus up in, in, in linen strips and put uh, uh, oils and, and spices in there to keep the stink down and the whole thing. That's the story of us. Sin has wrapped us up. We stink. We're dead in our sins. And yet Jesus comes to the tomb where he finds us. And it's not Lazarus come forth, it's you. Come forth. You're not to be dead anymore. Because I'm the resurrection and the life. And new life comes through me. So get up Take off that that dirty, nasty linen wrappings that that have been trapped you, all the sin, all the grief, all the sorrow that has been yours, that you've been wrapped up in. Drop that stuff. It always interests me, you know, why do people sometimes when they accept Christ, we go back, we insist on putting back on the old filthy burial wrappings. Christ has freed us from sin, but how quickly we run back to it! So it's almost as if we can't help ourselves. I know Jesus has raised me to new life, but boy, I sure was comfortable all wrapped up in them, that linen stuff, like something out of The Walking Dead. I think I'll go back there. You know, how many Christians walk around like The Walking Dead? You know, we've been raised up, huh? yeah, but you, sin is is still part of our lives. Jesus is asking us, drop that stuff. You don't need it. We are raised to new life. Let's move on here with our, uh, our story. and Let's go ahead again here. One more time. I think we're about to the end. Yeah, I am the resurrection and the life. That's the point that Jesus is making. Yes, I allowed Lazarus to die. I could have raced down there and healed him like I've done so many other times. But for your sake, I allowed this to happen. Because there's a greater purpose happening here. We don't want to just be healed of sickness. I don't want to just be healed of my poverty or my stubbornness or my pride. I want to be he- I want resurrection life. That's what Jesus is about. That's the whole point of this story. He's raising Lazarus to demonstrate this simple fact. I am the resurrection and the life. In our lead up to Easter, I asked each of you last week, are you willing to bear the cup that Christ would have to bear for us? Of course, none of us could possibly fulfill this mission of, uh, of Jesus. None of us could do that. If anything, we're probably like the disciples. We're kind of, yeah, Jesus, I, I'm with you, right to the end. And then the end happens, and they're like, I'm out of here. Whew. Gone. That'd be me, all right? But I don't want you to miss the preparation that Jesus put into his disciples as the day approached. He's plainly telling them, this is what's going to happen. I'm going up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, but I am going to raise from the dead on the third day, so that you understand what this whole thing was about. So many people were determined to see Jesus as a conquering leader who would lead them out of Roman occupation. That's its temporary. Jesus is looking for the eternal. Many times we pray for healing, blessing, wisdom, guidance. Usually, that's for temporary things. As always, God has an eternal plan. Let's go to the. I think it's our last slide. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I've spoken on this many times. For I know the plans I have for you. I've got a plan for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. Not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has an eternal plan for all of us. An eternal plan. I believe that God's plan for us, it's geared towards the eternal. Because death is the wages of sin, we will all face struggle and death in this life. It's the price we all must pay for sin. But we're not stuck there in that sin. We are raised up through the power of Christ. That makes our Easter story so important and so powerful. Jesus said, little ones, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said that though we go away, God will raise us up, that we will always be in the kingdom of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Us big people don't get that half the time. We say we do, but so many times for me, I don't live my life believing that. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Easter is the reason that we have hope, the reason we can look to the future in a kingdom of God. Without Easter, it's all lost. That's why, to me, Easter is the most important time of the year. Now next week we're going to look at the triumphal entry, you know, some of that stuff, but I was deeply moved um earlier in the service, uh, Jen and the worship team had introduced a new song and it just it, it just spellbinds me sometimes how things I'm talking about link up with the music and we don't talk <laughs> much, you know, to coordinate stuff, it just happens. And the song that we sang earlier about you know, uh, what's the line? Out of the, darkness. out of the darkness, and then run out of the tomb, and the you know get out of. Yeah, that's the Easter story. And we're going to sing this song. I've invited the kids to to sing along with us. Some of the big kids. They, this was their favorite song at camp, so they got the motions down and all that. So, which are really pretty cool. So, I want to invite the worship team to come on up. And we're going to do this, uh, this song again. And I want you to think about Lazarus. Jesus saying, yo, come on out of the tomb. I want you to think about you when Jesus called you out of your sin. Come on out of there. We want you to do it. So, okay, so big kids, come on up here. I'm going to move this. I call them big kids. They're practically adults now. But it shows you my age more than theirs. So... Anyways, uh, again, think about Lazarus, what it would be like to be there to see that. Think about your own life when Christ called you. Let's celebrate the idea that he didn't leave us to be in no tomb. We're going to run out of there. Okay. Okay.